we want to thank our friends at Southeast Church for such compelling video and graphics. And boy, doesn't that hit us right where we're at today. And so the question is, where do you fix your eyes? When trauma comes, when challenge comes, in the midst, like right now, of this unparalleled time in a hundred years, where are you looking for hope? Where are you looking for answers? Where are you looking for truth? Well, last week, uh, I, we, we, we met, and if you want to find last week's uh, message, you can just go back to graceridge.church and, and, and check us out there. But last week, we talked about the, the reality that when challenge comes our way, when trouble comes our way, what we often want is sympathy. But what we really need is courage. We, we want people to feel sorry for us when we're all up against it and, and feeling sad or challenged. Instead, what we need in those times is for people to challenge us, to, to, to move forward. Now, I know I often use parallels from the sports world, and here I go again, but imagine you're playing a game, and many of us just want the coach to call a timeout and say, okay, I know you're tired, I know you're, you're exhausted, why don't you just go have a seat on the bench here? Why don't you just sit down, get some water, maybe we can give someone a massage your back, it, it'll be okay, take it easy, and you let us know when you're ready. And instead, what we really need is for the coach to call a timeout and get in our face and challenge us and say, okay, now's the time. Suck it up and let's run the race. You can do this. Instead, often what we are looking for in our life when we come up against challenge and stress is, is we want Mr. Rogers to pat us on the back and say everything will be okay. And Instead, what we really need is William Wallace, Braveheart. To, to get in our face and to challenge us. We need some blue painted faces to challenge us in those times. So we're in this series that we just started last week called Fixed. And it's a, we're, we're going down this challenging path here because it's the path that the book of Hebrews sets out for us. He says that when you come up against challenging things, that you're to fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because when you do that, you won't grow tired or weary or you won't give up. So certainly now, perhaps for many of us more than any other time in our life, particularly right now because we're isolating ourselves from each other, it'd be easy to just curl up in a ball and maybe quit or give up. But of course, as Scripture does so often, it hits us right where we're at. It brings us a timely message from this book of Hebrews today that, that meets the very need that you and I are experiencing right now. So the Hebrew writer says that when you're ready to give up, you're to fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? He says because he's superior. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he's supreme. He's, he's superior over all things. A simple way to think of it is that he's bigger. That he's better. That he's bigger and stronger than anything. That, that anything that comes up against you, he's bigger and better than. I mean, my kids, they, I remember old Veggie Tales that they used to sing that God is bigger than the boogeyman. 
He's bigger than Godzilla or Monsters on TV. I'm so sorry I just put you through that. I really wasn't planning on singing it, but it, it, just think about that. God is bigger than anything. The, the writer of Hebrews uses this, this idea of Jesus' superiority, his supremacy is, the, is kind of the primary word that he uses, and he uses it 15 times um, in the book of Hebrews. So when you're having confidence in the superiority of Christ, that's what gives us courage. We think we need comfort, but often what we need is courage and strength. Certainly for those first-generation Christians who were hearing these words written to them directly, um, most of them would have been Jewish Christians. And they would have started off on this Christian race with great excitement, thrilled. And it's probably how many of you would have started your race with Jesus. But eventually, these first century um, Christians, they began to experience significant persecution. And, 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 and they would have this profound, um, maybe, discouragement that would come to them. That is, people would... would, would uh, challenge their faith or ridicule them they'd be discouraged or they'd get scared or for some they would just leave the race altogether and so this is why the writer is writing to them he's encouraging them that the race is worth it because jesus is superior jesus is bigger than all that jesus is better so hang in there the writer of hebrews is saying so hebrews really outlines Many things that Jesus is bigger than. Jesus is better than. He's better than the law. He's better than the traditions. He's better than the prophets. He's, he's better than the angels, the book of Hebrews talks about. He's better than the old covenant, the book of Hebrews guides us in. But today, we need to know that Jesus is bigger and better and supreme over your challenges, over your temptations, over anything that's coming up against you and certainly bigger than what's coming up against all of us today. And so the writer says, so fix your eyes on Jesus and don't give up. We're using three verses in Scripture to really guide us through this entire um, study. And we're using Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I just want to share those with you right now. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we're working through several key phrases in this overall passage. I don't know if we'll get to them all, but, but last week we talked about the phrase here that says the witnesses. We talked about this great cloud of witnesses that by faith they did so many things in the chapter just before, chapter 11, refers to that cloud of witnesses. And we talked last week that, that maybe they're saying something to us today. What could they be saying? And so 
I, again, would encourage you, go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, thinking, what, what could they be saying to me today? So today, though, what we want to look at is this passage specifically that says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. First, this, this word, this phrase, it's really a compound word, throw off. It's a compound word in the Greek, and it literally means to set aside, to push out of reach. So he's saying, push aside what's been tripping us up. Get it out of the way so you don't keep stumbling over the same thing. And that's the truth for most of us, isn't it? That, that we, we just, it's the same weight that's on our shoulders. It's the same thing that we trip over, over and over again. He's saying, push it out of the way. Get it out of reach in your life so you don't keep tripping over it. And then he uses this phrase, it hint, everything that hinders. Everything that hinders. The word hinders is a, is a noun that it, it really means any kind of weight. Hinders any kind of weight in your life. Um, the New Living Translation says it this way, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Well, when I read that and thought of that, I thought of our son, our youngest son, Doug. Doug used to um, run long distance um, competitively. He still runs long distances, but um, in cross country and in track, I mean, look, look at this picture for a minute. They, um, they're, um, they don't wear much. They got these really short shorts and really thin tops, and, and even when the weather's like 30 degrees, they're still just wearing that and maybe some gloves. Well, why do they do that? Because in a long race, any kind of weight feels heavier the longer you carry it. So everything that hinders, well, it's kind of a broad term, isn't it? Because what hinders you may not hinder me. And, and just a, a week or two ago, I heard a Pastor Kyle Adelman put it kind of this way. It was really neat. That think about it like your junk drawer. Every one of us have a junk drawer. I don't know, ours is in our kitchen. I don't know where yours is, but think in your junk drawer, all these things that are kind of like our life, this junk that piles up and weighs us down in our life. And when I think of a junk drawer and I think of your junk drawer, you know what, we probably have a bunch of the same things in our junk drawer. So today I want to just categorize some of those things that some of us are just carrying around right now, something that's hindering us, and the one that is probably equal for all of us right now is this anxiety and stress it's in so many of our junk drawers that we're carrying around right now it's stuff that comes through the everyday pressures of life and it's stuff that the non-everyday pressures like what we're experiencing right now is there it's anxiety and stress and what does it do it slows us down in the race it, it, it keeps some of us from even running the race and jesus talked about it he talked about it in the book of Matthew, how the pressures of life can, can choke out the working of faith. So we have to be aware of how this junk of anxiety and stress can, can, can just choke out our own ability to deepen and grow in our faith. And Jesus talked about it. I know when I was watching Doug run his races, there were kids up at the front working really hard, but there were always a kid or two in the back that was often working just as hard, but they were carrying extra weight like asthma or other challenges. 
when you think about that, those are really big weights. And some of us are, well, all of us are carrying a really heavy weight right now. But for some of us, it may not really be a stressor. In that case, it's not a big weight, but too often for us, it's a whole bunch of little weights that we're carrying around. And any one of those weights by itself, we could handle. But when you lump them all together, it becomes suffocating and crushes us. So anxiety and stress is one of these things in our junk drawer. There's another thing out there, and that's religion. Religion can slow you down in your faith. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the reality is it's all over Scripture. These Jewish Christians that this book is written to, they, they had the weight of their Jewish past weighing them down. You know, Jesus even talked about it in Matthew 23. He's talking about the Jewish leaders um, weighing down the Jews. He, he said in, in verse, verse 4, they crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Now, I know some of you grew up with this. Some of you went to church, and, and a pastor or a priest would just add another weight on your shoulder, another thing to perform, another thing to do, another thing to be expected while you were trying to run the race, and it was getting exhausting. For some of you, you felt connected to God, but you kept having these religious weights and expectations thrown on your shoulders, and you got to the point well, this is just too much. This is too exhausting. And, and for some, you walked away. And in that case, I don't blame you. It's not what God intended. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And there's another final, I think, weight. Um, one of these things that hinders in our junk drawer. I would call it, relative, it, it relates to all of us, the struggles with sin. We all have various struggles. We often are doing the same things over and over. We have the same temptations tripping us up. And the Hebrew writer says, throw them off, push them out of the way. So how do we do that? Scripture tells us to repent of it, to, to, to tell God, hey, I'm sorry, I don't mean to do that, I don't want to do that, and confess it to him and ask for forgiveness. And the beauty is he'll take that and he will release it from you. Now, this struggling with sin, we see how serious and intense it is in verse 4. Verse 4 says that in your struggle against sin, you've not resisted it to the point of shedding your blood. Whoa. What's that mean? I mean, that's an intense verse. I, I wanted to explain that one this way. Um, some of you know I'm the youngest of five boys, and my mom was a saint raising five boys. Um, but she had a phrase, and I think some of your mothers had the same phrase. Are you bleeding? <laughs> yeah, are you bleeding? It's like, it's not a big deal until you're bleeding, right? <clears throat> you know, come back and see me when you're actually bleeding, and then we'll, we'll deal with it. Well, what the Hebrew writer is dealing with here is, is saying you have to fight Sin, you have to ward off sin to the point of giving it everything you've got. It's a struggle against sin. And so that's the intensity that the writer's talking about. And that kind of flies in the face of culture today, doesn't it? It's like, but this is who I am. 
It's okay. This is the way I'm made. It's, uh, it's all right. God gave me these feelings. It's, it's not my fault. What am I supposed to do? I can do this. I mean, this is the way the world is. What you're supposed to do is bleed. You're supposed to resist sin with everything you've got. See, what happens when you don't, you start carrying that weight around. And, and the sin will slow you down in your race. And you might even go the wrong direction carrying on extra weight. And the more you carry that sin around, the higher the wall gets built between you and God until the point where you can't even see God and you keep living and carrying around the sin in your life and you get such a hard heart about it that you don't even want to see God. So struggling with sin is one of these things in our junk drawer that we keep throwing, uh, hanging on to and it, and it slows us down in the race. And the reality is that some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you right now, you're experiencing this. You're not really going anywhere in your faith. You're not progressing in the race that God has set before you. You're not making any progress, and it's the sin that's weighing you down. Now, I've had seasons in my life where I wasn't ready to confess something. I would hang on to it. And I, I didn't want to repent of it. And it would distract and it would weigh me down. And I just wanted to keep it. So sometimes there's a sin in our life that we're hanging on to and we try to ignore it and we pretend that it doesn't exist. And the Hebrew writer is saying specifically here that that sin is separating you from God and it's got to be dealt with because it's weighing you down on the race. The Old Testament talks about this. King David had sin. He had committed adultery. And this particular verse in chapter 32 of Psalms says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me, and my strength was sapped as in the summer heat. He's describing what it's like to run the race when you're exhausted, carrying around sin and shame and guilt. So the junk drawer exposes a lot of different things. We've just addressed three of them here. But let's go back to this phrase, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Because I think what's going on here is the writer is moving from the general, everything that hinders, and he moves to the second point of the sin that so easily entangles. Kyle Eidelman again used an example where the, everything that hinders are like the weights, the free weights in a gym, all those circular weights that are all different sizes and, and weights. And, and that the, the sin that so easily entangles is like the bar. And those weights get put on the bar. And the bar gets heavier and heavier and weighs you down and begins to put pressure on you. That's sin. So what is that sin? What's he talking about specifically here? First um, John chapter 2 actually talks about like the three big sins, and you've probably heard of the seven deadliest sins. First John, John 2 talks about lust and pride and greed. Well, it could be one of those. 
But what I think and what we do is we take Scripture in context. And so if we were looking in chapter 12 and looked backwards to chapter 11, what was that all about? That was all about by faith. All these, these, this great cloud of witnesses and their faithful activity. Um, so I think we look at this sin that's being outlined specifically here. I think it could be the sin of unbelief, of not having faith like those in chapter 11 had. Not believing God is who he says he is. Not, not believing, believing that what he has said is true. That's a sin. And, and it's the sin that's at the root of all these weights that are, that are being hung on the bar of unbelief. So, if I carry around the sin of unbelief, then the pressure and the stress of life and the challenges I'm up against, the, the pandemic in my face, that becomes overwhelming with unbelief. Because I don't have faith. If I don't have faith, I, I don't, it, everything's uncertain to me when challenge comes my way. And I'm stuck there in this place of unbelief because I don't know what's going to happen next. But if I have faith, like the very first verse of this, this um, um, uh, book talks about, it says that faith, there, I'm sure of things that I can't see. Well, if I have that kind of faith, then the I can set the uncertainty of life aside, and I can push it away, and I can continue to run the race and not tri keep tripping over it. So, in closing... Let's just remind ourselves of where we've gone. We first have to understand that Jesus is superior. He is supreme. He's better than whatever is stressing us out. He is bigger than that anxiety. He's superior, and he's better than your circumstances. He's, he's bigger than your unreasonable spouse. He's, he's better than the pile of bills that are suffocating you right now. And he's better and supreme even over a pandemic. He's superior over all that. So by faith, we accept him and we push all that aside and not allow us to trip us up. And also we've talked about that many of us have allowed religion to trip us up. Um, and Jesus doesn't ask for anything like that. He simply asks for faith because there's nothing we can do to earn his love. It's there already. So we need to push aside the idea that we've got to earn stuff to earn the love of God. Or push aside the guilt and shame of our past that God loves us regardless of all that. We just need to surrender it to him. And when my faith and my confidence is in Jesus and in Jesus alone, then I don't need to feel the weight of all these expectations or the guilt of my past I can run the race. And I want you to hear this today, if you're in that place. Really, some verses for all of us that Jesus said in, in chapter 11, Matthew, they're recorded this way, out of the message paraphrase. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live to learn freely and lightly. See, nearly all of us are carrying a heavy load like that right now. And so I just want to ask you, do you believe that Jesus wants to carry that for you? If you don't believe that Jesus is bigger and better than the pandemic and anything else, if you don't believe that he's superior, then you will keep carrying around this weight and it will just get heavier and heavier until it eventually drops you to your knees. Do you believe that Jesus is better than anything you can do? Do you believe that he's bigger than any circumstance you'll face? Do you believe it? Well, I do. I believe Jesus is better than any house I could build. I believe Jesus is better than any car I might buy. I believe he's better than any vacation I could go on. I believe that Jesus is better than any job I might have or better than any diagnosis that might come up against me. I believe that Jesus is is, is better than the bills in my face or the number of likes or, 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 or friends on Facebook or Instagram. I believe that Jesus is bigger and better than any drug I could take, anything I could smoke, anything I could drink. I believe that Jesus is bigger and better than any entertainer or any musician or any athlete that I might worship. I believe that Jesus is bigger and better and superior and supreme over any vaccine I might be able to take. So if you're scared or worn out, fix your eyes on Jesus and don't give up. Would you take just a minute and try to get Try to get by yourself. I know where you are right now, but if there are other people sitting with you, just try to get into your own little space for a moment and consider what we've talked about. Certainly, if you know Jesus and you've been walking with him, consider how these words of Hebrews meet you today in the junk that's in your drawer that you're dealing with right now and how you can be reminded of the superiority, the the supremacy of Jesus. But if today you're hearing for the first time and you've, you've never really heard that, that Jesus accepts you just who, is who you are, then we want to pray for you. We want to encourage and continue to talk with you. And we want to invite you to go to our website and check out some of the resources there that can help you understand this Jesus who loves you. Loves you mightily and wants to wrap his arms around you in the midst of this challenge we're all up against let's pray father we we sit quietly before you now in a in a way in a situation that's really awkward for many of us this is not what we're used to but it doesn't surprise you this this didn't take you by surprise in any way and so lord visit us right now cause us to not just ignore this moment and because we're isolated to not really do anything with it and pretend that this moment didn't exist, but that we respond to what we're sensing in our life right now. 
Because I believe that's the Holy Spirit at work in our midst. So Lord, have your way. And for those that, that, that need to respond right now, we pray that they will. That they'll do what they need to do to, 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 to connect with us and to let us know that um, they're making a decision for you or they need help in this way or can we pray for them in this way. And so Lord, we pray that we have before us right now the truth written in another form in this book of Hebrews that you are who you say you are, that you are supreme and you are Lord and you are in charge. And so we thank you and humbly place ourselves at your feet, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.